Hey guys, Danny here from Courier. On the Courier Weekly Podcast, you hear me interviewing business owners and experts all over the world to find out what makes them tick and how they deal with everyday challenges. Well, we've just launched a really cool new show called Workshop. It's all about cracking open and explaining business concepts and teaching super practical lessons. The first episode was all about the wonders of debt financing, and our second one was about nailing your brand's tone of voice. You could subscribe to the show by searching for Courier Workshop, but we thought you might want to hear a bit of what you're missing out on. So here's our take on Tone of Voice, hosted by Courier's Amir Jiwa and Duncan Griffiths Nakanishi. Your business's tone of voice is essentially its personality, how it sounds to people across all of your comms and messaging. It determines how you speak to customers online, the messaging on your packaging or in your product's UX, and all your captions on social media. A distinctive tone of voice that's deployed consistently helps reinforce all other aspects of your brand, and it helps you build an emotional connection with your customers. I spoke to two communications managers, one a massive company and the other a small startup that recently launched on Kickstarter. They both emphasized that a successful brand voice is actually one that sounds human. It's always really important when you're first kind of set out to build that brand voice that you can think about it as a human. And I think what companies can get wrong when they're building a brand voice for the very first time is thinking that it's a non-human voice. You know, you see a nice brand once, are you going to remember it tomorrow? No. But if you think about, you know, your own personal life, do you remember that really compelling conversation you've had? Yes. Do you then tell that story to a friend? Yes, probably. So I think, you know, words and conversations just for us as humans are so, so important. And for a brand to... I guess think like a human, you know, it's run by humans. So why shouldn't it think like humans and behave like humans? How do you make a brand sound more like a human? First up, here's Lois Mills from Home Things, a direct-to-consumer brand that launched in May offering eco-friendly cleaning products. Home Things' tone of voice is an essential part of its brand, even more so than its visual identity is. When we started Home Things, I would say we definitely kind of over-indexed maybe on, you know, our tone of voice and our brand story and really put all of our weight behind getting that right first. I think any brand can look good, especially now we live in such a visual world, you know, everyone's on Instagram. People go to brand agencies and say, I want it to be Instagrammable. Like, that's fine. But I think, you know, you have to have that rooted in something because otherwise you have a brand that ultimately is a little bit vacuous and a little bit empty and, you know, can't hang its hat on anything. What is Home Things' tone of voice? What are the key personality traits that you've chosen to define it? For us, I think it was really important to make sure that we had not only a tone of voice that was relatable, but that was also slightly humorous. I think rather than being that scary aunt, you know, who you're, who's always looking down on you, or who you're a bit too scared to ask a question, we wanted to be almost like that friendly person next door who you could pop around for a chat and like maybe you have a little bit of banter every now and then, you know, you're not afraid to challenge each other, but for the greater good rather than kind of, you know, always being a point scoring thing. So what we've done is boiled it down to four words. So we've got challenging, dry, current and activating. And how do you make sure that everyone on your team gets your tone of voice and is consistently using it? 
there's some things that we collaborate on as a team, you know, and people put their impact in and, and have a review. We always go back to these, you know, and it's so funny. There will be so many blog posts that I'll write and, you know, we'll put it on a, um, like a Google Doc where everyone can suggest and comment and all those kind of things. It looks like a very annotated piece of work. And comments that we see flying around all the time is, is this sentence challenging? Is this point activating? And I think just using those four pillars in our own internal vocabulary is how we can build it in to be like an integral part of, you know, working for home things. And so I guess it becomes second nature. I mean, the amount of times I probably say, is it activating? Is it dry? Is it challenging? Without even realizing it, like to an outsider, they might think, gosh, you obviously know no other words. But I think for us internally, you know, as a brand to make sure we're always talking in the right way, we need to make sure that internally we're talking in the right way as well. But tone of voice isn't just important for small startups. It's also essential to businesses operating at scale. I spoke to Lachlan Andrews at Canva. Canva is an online graphic design platform used by 30 million people across 190 countries. Canva set out to make it easy for anyone to create cool graphic assets, and its tone of voice reflects that. When we set out to first build it, we thought about what are three personality traits we could give to this voice. And we ended up coming up with that we would be human, we'd be empowering and we'd be inspiring. So anything that we talk about and the language that we use, whether it's in the product itself, in-app dialogues, in-app messaging, or whether it's in a media release or our social media posts, it all draws back to those three things and also our overarching mission of being able to empower the world to design. So it's a very empowering tone of voice. Over all of that, we've got a set of brand guidelines that talk about kind of what we want people to know, think and feel when they hear about Canva. And from our perspective, it's always about if our content appeared without our logo being next to it, would people know that that content was coming from Canva? And when it comes to these brand guidelines, how have you structured them so that people can actually use them? What are the key pieces of information that, you know, you've included in them? Yeah, it's actually a Canva presentation and we kept it succinct on purpose. And one of the points in there is that we are succinct where we can be and we avoid jargon just for the sake of using jargon. But in terms of its structure, it was designed so that whether you're an engineer, whether you work on the marketing team, whether you work in HR, that tone of voice would be relevant for you and your role at the company. We actually built up a brand voice chart, which has kind of the do's and do nots of what our brand voice would be. And each of those pillars, for example, the we're human pillar talks about how we're empathetic rather than insensitive, how we're very real, but not over the top. And then it has examples of kind of products, messaging, but also in-app notifications and what that would look like. We often think about tone of voice, you know, being used on your packaging, on your social media, but at Canva, it's also really essential to kind of the product itself. Where can we look to see this tone of voice in action on Canva? For example, something that even I find fascinating going into now is the error messages that pop up from time to time or the suggestions that might pop up in the product itself or things like upload limits being reached or file size messages. We've done a good job of making sure that those aren't technical messages, but that they're very human an eight-year-old or an 88-year-old could understand the different in-app messages that we have. You'll find in there is kind of a dialogue warning and you'll see in a lot of apps it might say something like warning you've reached the limit for this function whereas for Canva it would be something along the lines of hey there like font lover we're just letting you know you've reached the limit of this you can already use any of the images that you've already uploaded, for example. But I'd also say have a look at our social media and the way that we talk there. 
the social media team have done a really good job of building up a community of evangelists. It's not just a social media page of really communicating product updates, but one where they're really purposefully teaching people not only the power of design, but how they can do it as well. So yeah, I think two really good places to have a look at what our tone of voice looks like would be the product itself, but also things like our social media. If listening to Lachlan and Lois convince you that you need a tone of voice for your brand, but you have no idea how to find yours and make it sound like a human, don't worry. We spoke with some experts to get practical advice on how to develop a tone of voice in-house. Here's Kate Hamilton and Emily Ames, co-founders of Sonder and Tell, a creative agency in London that specializes in brand story, tone of voice, and creative copywriting. So to kick things off, what is a tone of voice? Why do brands need one? Tone of voice is kind of this written expression of your personality and a written expression of your brand values, but it's also a really strong way to kind of stand out in a crowded market. And I think especially for startups, crafting that voice and that personality that stays consistent. I think consistency is basically the biggest thing that we have to sell with tone of voice because it's so crucial as you start building up an audience and as you start kind of sending emails, sending more newsletters, all of that stuff, if you don't have a consistent tone of voice, people aren't going to trust you as a brand. And then I think the other side of it is when people have invested loads of money in design and logos and have gone through all of these amazing workshops to kind of figure out what their design is and what colors represent their brand, to then not invest in doing your tone of voice, either from a time perspective or from a money perspective, it's really cutting yourself short because words are everywhere with your brand. And if you kind of have this beautiful website, but the words fall short, you're not putting in as much as you could for your brand. Often when people are thinking of brands with a tone of voice, they think of ones that, you know, have a really funny tone of voice or a playful one. Can you give an example and kind of break it down of a, of a brand with a more understated or grown up tone of voice so our listeners can kind of hear how one of those come to life? I think there is this tendency to think that like with a tone of voice, you need to be witty or playful. And I think the Oatleys of the world and obviously Innocent have kind of made that the go to. But someone like Sonos, tagline, a better way to listen. They always talk to their customer. So like on their playlist, they say, soak up a unique blend of dreamy, psychedelic indie pop inspired by the sunshine and fog of Southern California. So it's just very descriptive and it's a bit sensory, obviously, because they're a music brand, but it talks to the customer. So it's like, start your sound system, answer a few questions to find your next speaker. And I think those brands that just consistently talk to their target audience and make the customer the hero of all their communications those kind of people it's not an intimidating tone of voice it's just super consistent okay you know we're sold every single brand needs a tone of voice and personality but how do they actually develop one you know obviously there are agencies out there that can help like Sandra and Tell but how can a scrappy startup that's trying to do it in-house get started I think brands can start with a bit of a brainstorm, start with getting the kind of nuts and bolts of your brand down in words, almost not worrying about the creative part yet. So if you start with sort of thinking about your target audience, who they are, what kind of demographic you're trying to capture, how they might be talking, what language they're used to engaging with, and also look at your competitors. So the kind of language that they're using, are they occupying the space 
are they trying to be funny and witty and is there then room for you to take a slightly different tone to them and try and get some of these points down also look at things like your product truth so what actually is the role your product is playing for your customer and as a brand like what are you offering them what kind of worlds are you inviting people to sort of play a part of so start really by looking outside of yourself and then look inwards so start with your target audience and look outside to your competitors and then start looking inside and get down sort of the nuts and bolts of your brand and what's actually true about your product and your brand service so that's almost sort of meeting number one and then after that you can sort of look at getting a bit more creative and we often like to bring bits of stimulation into workshops because it's easier for people to sort of respond to something that's live in front of them so bring a piece of copy from one of your competitors or bring a piece of writing that someone really likes and ask them to explain why they like it and what's spoken to them even if it's you know an instagram caption or a long read that they've liked get people thinking about language and how it affects their perceptions of what they're reading so it's like figuring out what you also don't like about the way that people speak in your industry and trying to figure out how you can change that just like you do with a product like why do you create a product you create it because something doesn't exist that you want and the same for tone of voice if that voice doesn't exist in your industry the kind of friendly voice or the eccentric voice or the rallying voice then how could you adopt that role And once that brand's, you know, done a good brainstorm, they've come up with those key elements of their personality that they want to communicate, what do they do next? So once you've got those personality words, whether they're like nostalgic or rallying or colloquial or eccentric but refined, you actually need to figure out how those personality words translate to writing. So with our tone of voice guidelines, we always like to do writing guidelines. So how do you transform a rallying personality voice into a piece of written content what words do you use do you say like we're all a part of this or like let's go together or maybe you use really short sentences rather than long flowy sentences because it makes people feel impassioned and excited there are lots of things you can do to make your language more accessible and clearer as you're writing from your brand point of view. Things like Emily touched on taking out jargon, just switching up language to basically write a bit more like you'd speak. Often you have, when people suddenly start writing for a business, they suddenly sort of clam up and think they have to be very formal and say things like insure rather than just make sure or funds rather than money. So it's just making sure, almost reading what you write out loud and being like, would I say that as a human? human being and if not then you probably don't want to be saying it as your brand and it's things like you know keeping sentences quite short usually less than 20 words is a good idea always using the active voice rather than the passive voice so we're making a decision rather than a decision was made and then also writing a vocab list for your brand so everyone else in the industry says this what do we say like how do we talk to our customers like how do we say hello how do we say goodbye just so that everyone can kind of have that vocabulary list and always be using it is really useful too we've talked a lot about how brands can use their tone of voice to guide how they speak and you know how they sound but should they also be using it to guide what they say It's useful also to think about the point of view that you want to have with tone of voice. So yes, your kind of creative personality and how you want to come across, but if you can also occupy a sort of position that makes sense for your brand world and the space that you're in, that will also help lead your communication. So for example, obviously Patagonia, their cause is the environment. But I think having an idea of what conversations you'd like to join or where you can actually add value is also a good way to think about how loud you want to be on certain issues. Because, you know, I think, there's also 
because there are so many communications out there, a pressure for brands to try and join all of them. But I think part of a tone of voice exercise is figuring out what you can add value to and where you want to stand out and shout about something, what you want to stand behind. I think, as we said, like your tone of voice is the expression of your values. And I think your values should obviously be part of your purpose. I think if you have a really strong purpose, it's figuring out what the best tone of voice would be to express that purpose. Thanks to our guests, Kate, Emily, Lachlan and Lois for joining us on today's show. Here's Duncan to wrap up what we've learned. Number one, having a human voice is key. The starting point for that can be as simple as listing three or four human traits that best sum up your brand personality. And these don't have to be too complex or ambitious. They're there to be a support and a reference and checked across all your communications, no matter what form of communication that might be. Number two, consistency is so crucial. It might not be right for your business to have a strong, irreverent or witty tone, but if you're speaking to your customers one way on Instagram and a completely different way in a customer service email, it'll affect the trust you're trying to build. Number three, your editorial guidelines can be laid out in various formats, but it's important that anyone at the business, no matter what department, can access and understand them. Using actual examples of vocab and sentences that you do or don't like can help that process. These editorial guidelines are an evolving thing, a living part of the business that need to be honed over time and practiced. That was episode two of our workshop podcast. And if you want to subscribe to the show in full, just search for Courier Workshop. Courier Weekly will be back again with yours truly on Friday.